0: This is Women Crush Wednesdays from New York Women in Film and Television. We cover all facets of women working in entertainment and media, along with highlighting accomplishments of our members and previewing upcoming events.
1: Welcome to another episode of Women Crush Wednesdays from Nyewith. I'm Tammy Reese and happy to be here with my co-host, Janine McGoldrick. Hey
0: Tammy, so glad to be back with you and wanted to say thank you for capturing all of those wonderful Muse Red Carpet interviews which we featured on the last episode. You and Lakisa did such a great job for us, and it must have been so exciting to be able to have that opportunity.
1: It was very exciting, Janine. It was my first time attending the Muse Awards in person. It was nice just to be there with the with family and be on the red carpet and interview some of the most amazing honorees. What was your of favorite? Of course, Sharon Stone. <laughs> and, and It's it's hard to say a favorite because they're all amazing. And But it just kind of hit different um, interviewing Sharon. She's truly an icon and definitely needed no introduction. But to interview her was a true honor.
0: Good job and can't wait till the next big event.
1: Absolutely. And Janine, to begin, we are thrilled to highlight an accomplishment from Nye with member Victoria D. Martin. In our Women Crush Wednesday spotlight, Penny Malloy Harper tells us all about it.
2: Hi. I am Penny Malloy Harper. In this member spotlight segment, we are shining the spotlight on NYWIFT member, Victoria DeMartin. She is in development for her first feature film, Victoria is a writer and director and has written and directed five short films. Her newest project and feature film called The Cutting Room Floor has been selected by Movie Maker Magazine as one of their 10 films this year to partake in the production services program and was also selected for the From Script to Pre-Production Lab run by NYWIFT member Elizabeth Page. Victoria's first feature film in development, The Cutting Room Floor, is about a film director, but more importantly, tells the relatable story of an ambitious young woman facing the choice between taking the next steps in her romantic life versus her career. This feature film currently in development is being produced by a team of female filmmakers. Congratulations, Victoria, on your project and much continued success.
0: Victoria. Now we just wanted to highlight a couple of news items. In our last episode, we talked about how the WGA was in the middle of voting whether or not to strike. Since then, they had voted overwhelmingly to strike if an agreement isn't made. So by the time this episode airs, I think there's only a couple of more days, like five or six more days until their contract is up, fingers crossed that it doesn't come to that, but we all support the WGA and what they're doing, and hopefully they will you know, come to some kind of agreement that all parties are happy with.
1: Fingers crossed indeed, and all I could think about Janine was, oh my gosh, some of my favorite shows and the writers, like I just want them in those writing rooms creating this great content, but we definitely are in support. Some good news about the upcoming Cannes Film Festival, Andy Wire reported that once again, the festival will feature more female directors mm. in its diary competition section than ever in its 76-year history. This year, it will be the first year the fest includes six films from female directors competing in the Palme Dior. This includes the second Black woman to ever earn a slot in the competition lineup.
0: Yeah, well, that certainly is some great news. And speaking of female filmmakers, the latest short film from Ginger Britt Daniels has been selected for the New York Cinefest, which celebrates independent cinema. And that is coming up uh, the beginning of May. I believe it's May 5th to the 11th. And the film titled Not Like the Other Girls is a female driven cop mystery which is set right here in Brooklyn, New York, and is about a police officer and a mother who must find the killer of a young girl so that she can make peace with her own troubled past. The film deals largely with the effects of childhood sexual abuse in an adult woman who has repressed her feelings around that trauma and to determine whether or not she can overcome it so that she can do her job more effectively.
1: Ginger wrote this film to give a voice to survivors of sexual abuse and encouraged them to not be ashamed. It is screening at the Cinema Village in Union Square in New York City on Friday, May 5th, in a block of films at 5 p.m. Tickets must be pre-purchased at NewYorkCineFest.com, and we will include a link in our show notes.
0: Yeah. So if you can definitely check out New York Fest, this film, as well as any of the others. It's always good to support independent cinema, even though Tribeca is around the corner. There's a lot of small film festivals, which are really important for a lot of filmmakers. And this is definitely one that... I will be checking out and encourage everyone else to do that as well. Now it's time for our featured interview. And if you were a fan of the Power Universe franchise on Stars, you are going to love it. Tammy talks to actress Peyton Ashbrook
1: all about the latest season of Power Book 2, Ghost. Hi, everyone. I'm Tammy Reese, and I am so pleased to have Peyton Ashbrook on the podcast today. Peyton stars as Jenny Sullivan in the explosive new season of Power Book 2 Ghost. The series also stars Michael Rainey Jr., Mary J. Blige, Cliff Method Mia Smith, and more. The character of Jenny Sullivan has a reputation and ego that's signed by her loss in Jabari Reynolds' murder case. Jenny Sullivan is hell-bent on exposing Tariq, played by Michael Rainey Jr., in the Tejadas, also David McLean, played by Method Man, Drug Enterprise. And she's got a secret up her sleeve that might just get her there. With Sax as her CI and Agent Blanca Rodriguez partnering with her to form a federal task force, Jenny seems to have almost all she needs to take them down on a Rico charge and finally bring Tariq St. Patrick to justice. Power Book 2 Ghost is the first series in the expanded Power Universe franchise. Hey, Peyton. How are you?
0: I'm good.
3: How
1: are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for asking. Thank you for being on the New York Women in Film and Television podcast today. You're truly crushing the role of Jenny Sullivan on Power Book Two Ghosts. I love this series.
3: Thank you. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. Now, I don't think no one ever not seen this show, especially season three. But for the stragglers who may not seen season three yet, how would you say Jenny Sullivan is this season?
3: Jenny Sullivan is just taking no prisoners this season. She is all in. She's putting all her eggs in this Tariq basket and I guess Tejada basket. And she's just, she's on a mission, man. She's really like, and she is the keeper of all of the secrets. Like she's sort of a diabolical genius, a little bit. <laughs> she yep. has all of it compartmentalized she's she's just not kidding around man she's going in at full throttle and um and it's definitely going to get more complicated as it goes on um which is always very fun to play um but yeah i'd say that you're you're gonna see her at her best and her worst in this season episode
1: 304 one of the secrets was revealed where bianca and sax found out that they both were working with you yeah i want to talk about Does Jenny love him? What's the professional and personal relationship there? She just using him. What's going yeah. on there? Yeah. Like well, a lot of frustration. I
3: know it's 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 messy and complicated, our favorite. Um, they actually so Jenny and Sax uh actually had a relationship in the past before this season. So they actually dated, dated. Um, years and years ago. And it did not end well. It ended in such a way where, like, I I think in the pilot of Ghost, you hear Jenny saying, oh, man, I should have gotten that restraining order against you. (laughs) Or it's just like a little too much. He's a little too much. He's a little like graspy. And she can't, you can see her like, no, we're not like that. We're not good in that way for each other. She doesn't see that. However... This is the thing about Jenny. She takes all of her emotions and she just shoves them down deep, deep, deep inside. So there's things that are very unconscious that are running the show that she doesn't obviously realize. So I, when I'm embodying Jenny, feel a lot of love for Sax, but there's no way that she can let that happen. Right. So, so it's a, there's a lot of tension within her at all times. I mean, you can see it as a character when you watch her on screen, she's like rigid in a way she's powerful and like, you know, dynamic, but she's also very, she's keeping everything contained. And uh, as a woman often has to do in the, in the sort of world that she exists in, right? Like to, to a lot of women in that are working as prosecutors or, or defense attorneys, like your emotions can't come into play because people are going to judge you about it. They're going to say, you're a woman, you can't handle what you're doing. Um, And so it was ingrained in her for a really long time that this is what I have to do to be successful. This is, this is the way to be an ambitious attorney. Um, And unfortunately that means she's sacrificing a lot of her more, um, her softer qualities. She's just not able to be soft. Um, And so and it, for her to reckon with her feelings for sax would require her to be vulnerable. And at this point, she's just not able to do that. She, she's not in therapy, you know, <laughs> <Like she's, laughs> none of these characters are in therapy. Um, right. So, so it's like fun to play that because there is so much tension there. Um, and she does, I believe, love him, but she, she hasn't even admitted that to herself, especially right now, especially that he's her CI. Like she can't even sleep with him anymore because it would just mess everything up. She's, she's the only one that realizes that like, you can't do that and expect this to go well and expect people to stay alive. She's, she's more and more understanding the danger that she's in, that she's, that she's putting other people in, um, and that. Uh, you can see it in her relationship with Lauren, you know, like, I think there's a ton of guilt there. in the fact that Lauren almost died Um, and Jenny like came and literally took her to her own home, her family home to protect her because the criminal justice system doesn't work in such a way where it's quick enough to get someone in WITSEC that fast. And she knew that she had to do it immediately. So so it's really complicated and it breaks my heart. It's like really sad to watch because Saks finally, I think, is in a place where he could actually be in a real relationship. I think it's something that that character really wants for the first time, maybe ever. And unfortunately, Jenny doesn't trust him for good reason. Also, That's
1: a great reason
3: for sure. And he's all up in her business and in her things, and she's not stupid. She knows what he's capable of. She knows that he plays people. And so there's no way on earth she trusts him. And so even though she does love him, a big part of love is trust. And if there's no trust, then how could there be real love?
1: Absolutely. I have seen a meme online. It said Bianca and Jenny is the all up in your business team. <laughs> it's like, I was like, yeah. yeah. I love it.
3: we're right there. It's like, oh Tate, you want to hit on uh, you want to hit on your new girlfriend? Nope. My <laughs> own we're here. We're going to eat your cookie. I know. I love it. It's so funny. We're we're up in everybody's business. It's, <laughs> it is what it is.
1: <laughs> it is what it is. Does Jenny really care about Lauren though? Or is she like a pawn in Jenny's agenda?
3: Well, uh, so in the last episode in 303, there was actually a scene that was cut that, which happens all the time, but there is a scene cut that, that gives us a glimpse into why Jenny is doing what she's doing. And, and it was really also, I should say important to Courtney, uh, that Jenny is not like a Karen, that she's actually like a three-dimensional well-rounded person that actually does care, um, whether or not she expresses it emotionally, (laughs) she (laughs) does deeply care about people and she wants to like save the world. That's like what she's trying to do, right. Protect everybody and put the bad guys in jail. And so when it comes to Lauren, I think there is definitely, that was sort of the first, shock to her system when she found out that Lauren, the attempt on Lauren's life happened. And uh, and she feels responsible for that. She would, I think any human being would. And so she does care for her in that sense. And she's also, she also deeply cares about this case, not only because she's super ambitious and she doesn't like to lose. I think there is an element of this girl did not know what she was getting into with this guy. And I think there's a little bit of projecting happening when Jenny with this like obsession with Tariq, as some people are calling it on Twitter, that like this guy is the reason that people want to kill you. And she does not seem to understand that. And I think that's very triggering for Jenny. So but anyway, this scene is actually the first time that was cut where we got to see kind of why. Jenny is doing what she's doing, and I think even if that scene made it in, I'm sure people would say that that's just Jenny manipulating the situation or manipulating Lauren, and that's very possible. But all I can really speak to is when I'm embodying her, I feel uh I feel a deep connection and like worry about Lauren, the character, and because if she dies, that means that Jenny failed. So it's also in that way, it's I sort think. of a. But but again, she just keeps everything very close to the chest and you don't get to see glimpses into what's really happening there. So hopefully one day they'll they'll uh release these all these amazing deleted scenes. But but it was that informed me as the actor and playing her uh greatly for the rest of the season. So hopefully the the like echoes of that scene that we didn't get to see, you know, reverberate throughout and you kind of get more of a glimpse into like Jenny is not just that she's super obsessed. That would be too easy. It's much more complicated than that. She's not even fully aware of how much she's caring for the people that are in danger around her Um, because she can't, because she feels like in her eyes that she couldn't do her job. If she let the emotions come out and if she really let herself care outwardly about people, she believes she would lose. And so she can't lose because that means people would be dying.
1: I know that's right, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. Now, lastly, I would ask you, because in 304, we've seen Detective Whitman get murdered by Monet. Yep. Now, what can we brace ourselves for without giving too much away regarding the task force and more emptiness that's going to happen?
3: Yeah, I mean, you'll definitely see you'll definitely see the repercussions of that and how it lands on me, on Jenny, on Sax and on Blanca. I think it just makes everything a lot more real. It's like, if Lauren was the sort of first um, hit that made Jenny jump into action and realize like how serious this is and how she cannot lose, um, this is only gonna amp that up more and make it more important for them to just keep going. because, you know, I think for some other folks that might scare them away from the task at hand, but that's just not how Jenny rolls. She's not going to be intimidated. Um, she's just too strong for that, <laughs> which is really fun to play. But it's also like, you know, it's risky. She knows that there's danger afoot and that this is that they're not fully protected Um so it's gonna get it's it's gonna get worse. It's gonna get messier, more <laughs> complicated.
1: Worse and messier, but that makes for a hit TV. As power. That's right. Book two goes as a hit TV series. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Peyton, for your time. Keep up the amazing work. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Well, after that
0: interview, I definitely have to start watching. And Tammy, I think a year or so ago, you had an interview with another actress from the Power Book Universe who was also a muse recipient at the time, correct?
1: Correct. And that is Patina Miller. She's in Power Book 3, Raising Canaan. It was awesome to interview her. I just love the Power Universe and I highly recommend everyone to watch the series I just love the cast. Mary J. Blige is in it. Um, Method Man, they're big music stars turned actors and do an amazing job as part of this universe. And it's also produced by 50 Cent, who's been a longtime music artist who turned producer. And just to see this Black um, television show branch off to numerous series, um, it's like ever changing and ever evolving. Just to see it from the first show and now it's. Tons of different spinoffs. Later, it's very interesting and great cinema, great cast, great writing. Um, I just love it. And Peyton does an amazing job in this role. And I'm looking forward to see the rest of this season three play out.
0: Do you watch all of the uh, spinoffs from it? And yes. and if so, which is your like? Should people start off with the first one and I, then I go one, recommend- two, three, four? Or can you skip around?
1: Yes. To understand it, I would definitely recommend start with Power. That's the first one. Power Book 2 is this one, is the second spinoff, um, Ghost. And then you have Power Book 3, Raising Kanan, which is actually like a a prequel um, to one of the characters named Kanan from the first um TV series. And then you have Power Book 4, Force, which is a spinoff from another character from the first show, Tommy Igan. But I definitely recommend starting from the beginning just to understand the different characters and how they all tie into the first series. That is really great. And
0: I, I really want to start watching it because I know you have such a strong passion for it as well. The only thing i give a quick shout out or recommendation that I just finished binging was The Diplomat with Kerry Russell on Netflix.
1: Oh, wow.
0: It was really good. The cast was diverse. There's a lot of strong female characters, you know, in it, which I, I try to look for. And I believe that it was created by a female too. I always love porting different shows that have a, a big female cast and crew. And if people haven't heard about it, it basically Carrie Russell lands a high-profile job in London, which she doesn't think that she's suited for. But a political crisis happens, and she has to navigate that. While also dealing with her husband, played by Rufus Sewell, who's also a diplomat, and it's it's really really well done. It's a lot of fun. Eight episodes, and my mom and I finished it within the day. That's how much we enjoyed watching wow. it. That that's my little shout out for the week. Awesome, and
1: I'll give one last shout out. It's not out yet, but June 18, The Walking Dead spin off. Oh, that's of course, amen. AMC. Shameless plug as a Walking Dead universe fan. So I'm looking forward to seeing that in June.
0: The Walking Dead never dies. Never. (laughs) No matter how many zombies die, The Walking Dead will never die. (laughs) We also have a great recommendation that Leah sent in to us. So let's hear what she has to say. Hi, this is Leah. And I'm recommending an episode of the Throughline podcast. It's a history podcast from NPR, but there was a recent episode about the film industry, Everyone, Everywhere, All at Once, and specifically representation in film over the course of its, in, from its inception to the present day. And it's a fascinating look at what representation means, um, what it means to be seen, how how and why it matters. They interview Alison Bechtel of the Bechtel test and uh, discuss the value and limitations of applying that to screenplays and films. It's fascinating and uh, I highly recommend it. It's a great listen, so check it out. Well, listeners, uh, do you have a recommendation for us, an accomplishment or a story you'd like to share? Would you like to be featured on an upcoming episode or do you have a segment idea? We would love to hear from you. Give us a shout at communications at nywift.org. That's communications at nywift.org.
1: And also be sure to be subscribed so you never miss an episode. If you are enjoying the podcast, then leave a review as it helps others find their way to us.
0: Yeah. So thank you everyone for joining us. Thank you, Tammy, again, for co-hosting and always bringing us wonderful interviews like you do. Till we meet again, keep on crushing it.